For most people who know me, they will tell you that I am a pretty competitive person. I can turn anything into a sporting event and anything into a competition. I love to compete. The reason why? I love to win. And But one thing that I hate doing is I hate running. I, I absolutely hate it. I, just, I don't know the point of it. You just keep going and going and going. I guess it's supposed to make you, you know, lose weight or something. But I really don't like it at all. But my buddy came up to me about, oh, goodness, six months ago. I guess it was probably back in April or March. And he said, hey, we're going to run a 5K. I was like, what? Really? Why? And so he said, well, I've already signed us up for it. And I was like, okay, thank you. Thanks for doing that. You're a great friend, jerk. And so... He signed me up for the 5K, so we, we ran in this, this race, the Crawl Daddy Dash, down in, on Rosewood. I, I saw several church members out there, and uh, Mark ran in it with me. I beat him. Competitive me. And so we were out there, we were running, and the last stretch, they had the, the finish line right there. There are people all out at the finish line. They are cheering you on, clapping and taking pictures and stuff. I mean, it really motivated you to run. And so I had a goal in mind. My goal is to get done with the race under 25 minutes. So I was going to run three miles under 25 minutes. And I did not train that much for it. And so I got out there. And that last, you know, it was coming up on that last stretch. I was keeping up with some of the guys with me for a little bit. And I just said, see ya. And so I kept on going and I was running. I just, all I wanted to see was that finish line. I was going to make it. I was going to get there. It was at 24 minutes. I was like, I'm going to get there under 25. This is going to be great. All these people are going to be cheering for me. Oh man, I'm going to be famous. And so I'm running, I'm running. I get past there and all of a sudden I I feel this, you know, I'm like, whoa, gosh, no, no, come on. You're a man. You can't, you can't, you know, regurgitate right in front of all these people. And so I was like, you know, just hold it and hold it. And some guy was like running next to me and he heard it and he just kind of went off this way. And so I'm still running. I was like, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I get there. People are cheering. I get past that finish line. Everyone's cheering. And I just went everywhere, all across the finish line. And so I'm sure one of my buddies had a picture right with me coming across. And I couldn't even celebrate because I just beat myself down. But today, what we are going to talk about is running the race of life. Now, hopefully many of you are not regurgitating here, but we are going to focus on the goal that is ahead of us. And that goal is Christ Jesus. That goal is heaven. That goal is glory. And that goal is God. And so today we're going to open up the scripture to Philippians 3. And we're going to be reading from verses 12 through 21. And we're going to focus on this thing called life. How are we supposed to live it? And I hope today that God will transform your life and really allow you mentally and and really passionately to have an understanding of what it means to focus your life on eternal significance, on eternal value. And before we get into the scripture, I want us to look at who's writing the scripture. It's written by Paul. He's writing it to the church in Philippi. Now, what we need to realize about Paul as he was writing this is he was in prison. Okay, he was in prison. He was waiting on to see what, what his sentence was going to be. And most scholars believe that at this point in time in his life, Paul was he was about to die. Now, anytime you're about to die, anytime death is near, you begin to look at life differently. You begin to see things differently. I've noticed that from speakers as I've watched different pastors, as I've watched different evangelists from when they were younger to when they're older. You can see how their style changes. You can see a little bit uh, just how they see things differently. Someone that I admire greatly is the, the Reverend Billy Graham. He is one that I, I admire uh, his ministry. There's so many things. The way he he just uh, is so humble, the way that he displays integrity and character in his ministry is something that I want to be like. And so I've looked at him and I've watched him from 
from when he was younger. And as he was standing there just about to kick somebody off the podium as he's pointing and so excited and so passionate about what God is doing and how he understands how, how badly we need Christ in our life. And then you see him in his older days as he sits there and it's almost as if he's reflecting on life. And there's a peace in his life as he knows that he is getting closer to God, as he's getting closer to heaven, as he's getting closer to that day when they open the gates and he comes in and everything's complete as he's with his God. And so I look at him and I see the change. And so I, I really see this in Paul. You can, as you read the text, you can kind of see his attitude, how he's writing. He's very compassionate, but he's still very bold and yet gracious and loving to the people as he writes to them. And there's three things that we're going to focus on today. And I'll start reading in verse 12. It says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the price for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have, excuse me, as just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Before we look into this, before you run the race, before I could run the race out there that, that crawled at dash, I had to fill out a form to run. Okay, before you run any race, before you get out there and actually run, you have to sign up to run the race. And see, Paul understands that. When he says that we need to fill out a form, this form that he's talking about is we need to give our life to Christ. Before we can get on board to run this race, we have to say, God, I give myself to you. And Paul understood this. See, Paul devoted his life before he found Christ. Paul's mission in life was to kill people like you and me. Ones who claim to be Christ followers. Ones who given their self to God. His passion. He woke up each and every day. He wanted to kill Christians. I mean, could you imagine that? Now, now Paul was also, he was a smart guy. He studied in the synagogues. He was a very brilliant guy. But his heartbeat was to kill Christians, yet on his way to Damascus, something great happened. He met Jesus and he was blinded. Yet when he was blind, that was when he began to see. For in that moment, his life was transformed. And in that moment, he found Christ. And so he writes this letter to the Philippians and he tells them this in chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul understood it. 
Paul was on the other end. Going 100% the other way. And in one moment, he turned around and his life was complete. And so this is the message that he conveys in this letter when he says, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So the first thing we need to realize is that we are supposed to fill out a form. The goal in which Paul is talking about is the goal of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. The goal of attaining salvation, which we cannot attain, but it has been given to us by Jesus Christ for His glory. And so the question I ask myself when, when looking at this Scripture is why should I enter? Why should I enter the race? Why should you enter the race? What's so great about this race? What's so great about God that we should give ourselves to Him? And I sat at my desk and I thought about that. Yes, I remember when I gave my life to Christ. But each and every day is a new commitment. A new commitment to live, a new commitment to dedicate. And so I thought to myself, why? And then I realized the one thing that separates us from all other creation, the one thing that makes us unique, the one thing that makes you special, is the fact that we are all created with a purpose. We are all created with a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. See, that is the God that we serve. That is the God who loves us, a God who's created us with a purpose, a God who has given us a plan, a God who wants to watch us prosper. That is the God that I have given my life to. That is the God that Paul gave his life to, and that is the God I cry out to you. If you have not, then please give yourself to him because he understands the future. He sees the future. He holds the future, and he is the future. And he has a plan for each and every one of you. Plan to give you hope and a future. John 6, 38-40 says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those He has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up in the, at the last day. See, God's will for us is to have a relationship with us. His plan is for us. So why should I enter? Why should I enter? Because there is a great God who holds everything in His hand. He knows the outcome. I realize how powerful he is. It makes me realize how dumb I am. So why would I not want to give my life to someone who knows the future? Why would I not want to give my life to someone so powerful? That's the question we should be asking is, why would I not want to? 
why would I not want to give myself to Christ? Working with students, there's one word that seems to dominate a lot of their life, and that's emotions. It is a roller coaster. Every time I'm with a student, especially middle school students, boy, I mean, they leave you entertained all the time. I mean, I do not look pretty today. You know, I mean, stuff like that happens all the time with students. And then, you know, all the relationships, you get on Facebook, and it's like, oh, I'm dating so-and-so now. I'm engaged to them. No, I'm not. It's a joke. I'm getting married tomorrow. And, like, all this stuff is going on. And so these emotions are just running high. Y'all are laughing because you've done it. And so all these these emotions are are running high. And, And I believe... Through all of this, we, we react a lot emotionally. Not so much logically, we, re, we react a lot off of emotions. And, and I, I see how that can create a burden in our life. I'm a very emotional person. When I play sports, I'm very passionate. I'm very emotional. My, my friends made fun of me in high school when I played defense because every time I played defense, I was, my eyes were wide open. I was always focused on that person. And I always had quick feet and stuff. And so I was a pretty emotional and passionate uh, basketball player in high school. You know, I stand up here, you see me, and I'm pretty emotional, I'm pretty passionate because I believe the truth in this word. And so I want you to understand that. Yet sometimes emotions can hurt us and emotions can bring us down. And I see how that can, that can hurt us in our everyday life. But the hope that I want to share to you is this. Because so often when we allow ourselves to, to just be an emotional roller coaster, we end up trying to search for God in other ways. We tend to put ourselves out there and we become vulnerable to other things and we don't allow ourselves to become vulnerable to God because we seek satisfaction through that which cannot satisfy. But the hope is this. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, as he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Listen to this. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Our God is great, but yet at the core of who he is, rest love. I don't know of any other God that you could try or begin to worship that is going to love you like this. Who says you don't have to look at yourself in the mirror and think that you're ugly because I know you're beautiful because I created you that way. You don't have to go through the pain of uncertainty because I'm going to take it for you. All he wants, he just says, just give it to me. Just give it to me. So what does it mean to sign up for the race? It means this. It means simply to follow Christ. When Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon Peter and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. He looked at them. He said, come, follow me. What did they do? They stopped what they were doing. He then went on and he saw James and John. They're out with their dad, working, fishing. He said, 
drop what you're doing. Follow me. They left their father. They left their co-workers. They left everything that they had behind because they understood the importance of getting in this race with Christ. So what do you do to sign up? You simply just stop what you're doing. Give yourself to Christ and follow Him because here's the thing. He will do the rest. He will do the rest. But once you're on board, it's, in, it's important that we continue to keep our eyes focused on the prize. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on the earthly things. So Paul tells us when we get on board, when we are on this race, that we are to focus our eyes on God. We are to focus our heart heavenward. Everything within us is supposed to be focused on God. Because in that moment, we have totally submitted ourselves to Him and said, God, I cannot do it. I know You can. And I'm going on a dead sprint towards Your kingdom on Your glory. Because You give me hope. You give me satisfaction. When I hurt, you make me strong. And even in that, Paul tells us that we are supposed to join ourselves with each other. This is the beauty of the church. This is the beauty of who we are. This is the beauty of what we do. This is why we have small groups. This is why we offer Bible studies to you. Because he tells us it is important that we are around others who are focusing on that same goal. Because if we're not, it's only going to lead us to destruction. And we're never going to get the job done. That's why we focus. And when we do that, all of a sudden, our whole life changes. All of a sudden, our decisions change. And we begin... To have an eternal influence on this life. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. In Christ Jesus, we focus our eyes, our heart, our mind, everything on God because He is eternal. And all of a sudden, everything we do changes because we focus our everything on eternity. As I was writing this lesson, I sat in my office and the words of a great hymn came over on my computer and just started playing. And they say, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim. In the light of his glory. And grace. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you I have all the answers because I don't. I'm just as human as you. I'm just as human as Paul. I hurt like you do. Several years ago, I was going through a time in life that was a big transition for me. I was going through a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. I found myself waking up in the middle of the night just crying. 
in that moment, I fell flat on my face on the side of my bed, and I just started crying out to God, help me, help me, help me. I tell you now, as a testimony to His love, I've never felt more peace. I've never felt more comfort. I've never felt more certainty in my life than ever before. Because that's the God we serve. As I focused on Him, the things of this earth, the pain that was taking control of me began to fade away. My life was focused on eternity. My life was focused on Christ. Because only He could help me in that time. When we focus on Christ, all of a sudden people begin to center in on us. Why do they do this? Listen to this. It says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, when we begin to focus our lives on Christ, when we begin to give ourselves to Him and focus on eternity and allow Him to move us, others see Christ through us. And let me tell you, church, it is contagious. It was the summer before my junior year of high school. We were at summer camp. I was going through a lot of different stuff, you know, these emotions we talked about. I'll never forget the preacher stood up there at camp and he said, many of you have given your life to Christ. You've, given, you've, you've allowed him to save you from hell, but you haven't given your total life to Christ. You have not accepted him as your Lord. In that moment, I knew that was me. I fell flat on my face. I said, God, here I am. Take me. Do whatever you want. It's because of that moment there that I stand here today before you. But I'll never forget when that happened. I grabbed five of my closest friends. I took them up to the corner of the gym where we were. And I looked them in the eye and I said, now is the time to rise up. Now is the time to stand strong. Now is the time to change this church, to change this community. And show them the light of Christ that lives within us. And for some crazy reason, we all marched out of the gym Everyone else was out having a bonfire, and we just started singing. I don't know why I always resort to singing when happy stuff happens. And so I just started singing. It was like a Disney sing-along, but we were singing hymns and stuff. And so we were walking out, and we just started singing. And I'll, I'll never forget this. The students in the camp just kind of looked at us like, who are those idiots? And so we kept on going. We didn't care. We didn't care because we had Christ inside of us. We really did not care. Next thing I know, I look back. All those people who were looking at us like we were crazy, they were marching with us. We were going up and down that camp. We were just singing and rejoicing and giving our life to Christ. Because here's the thing. When you give your life to Christ, when you focus on eternity and you focus on Him, God begins to live within you and you become a light. And I tell you, church, it is contagious. Because people want the hope that Christ brings. Someone said, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Focus your life on heaven. I deal with students. 
I, I get to see them grow up over the past couple of years. I've seen many of them mature spiritually. It's been a great encouragement to me. Uh, last week I was at a conference, and or two weeks ago I was at a conference, and, and the guy who was teaching, he, he, he posed the question. He, he said, what's the number one goal as a parent? I'm, I'm not a parent. I feel like I parent about 60 on Sunday nights, but I, I'm, I'm not a parent. But I, I, I assume that the goal of a parent is to raise godly kids. I mean, parents, I mean, you can react. Is that your, okay, good. We'll see some heads. So uh, I assume that. Now, here's the thing with that. Parents, I will tell you this. I've been through college. You are going to receive a phone call one day. When your kids are in school, you are going to receive a phone call from your kids. Now, here's the thing. You can determine now what phone call you are going to receive. Is it going to be, Mom, Dad, guess what? I met these great people on my, on my floor. We started a Bible study. We're just hanging out together. Found this great church. Oh, boy, I, I absolutely love it. Or is it going to be, Mom, Dad, hey, I don't know where I am. Uh, I, I was hanging out with these guys last night. You know, we just started uh, just fooling around a little bit. And, uh, Mom, Dad, I... I don't know where I am right now. I don't know what happened. Scripture says, Proverbs 22, 6, Start children off in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Parents, here's the thing. Right now, you have the opportunity to install in your kids, to train them up the way that they should go, to get them involved in activities that have eternal implications we have opportunities here on sunday night when we have surge next week we're taking the students we're going to go uh, take uh, meals to some people in the blythewood community those who might not be able to have christmas we're going to take christmas to them and we're going to come back here and we're going to have a big celebration service tonight we've got small groups for all our student our, our from middle school to to high school we have great children's programs here Gene and Becky do an absolute excellent job back there. We have opportunities here where you can train your children up in the way that they should go. And you can start them off on an eternal influence. And let them have that impact in their life. What phone call do you want to receive? The last thing we need to know is when you are running, when you start something, guess what? I've always been taught when you start something, you finish it. And Paul tells us to finish strong. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. We finish strong because our hope is one day we will be with God forever. Our hope is one day as we continue to fight through this world, we will look back and it will be but a vapor. And we will spend eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is why we live. That is why I wake up each and every day. That is why I stand here before you, because there is hope in Christ. And so we finish strong. This summer I went to a conference. A guy speaking 
had this quote. He said, 85 to 88 percent of those who make it halfway up the mountain stop. When people go to, to climb Mount Everest, there is a, a little lodge area where they allow them, once they get halfway up the mountain, allow them to go in there and rest. Well, when they get there, about 85 to 88% of them just stop. They say, you know what, they get real, they, uh, they, they find comfort in just being there. They get complacent. They don't finish what they started. Paul tells us not to be that 85 to 88%. He tells us to continue to fight. He tells us to continue to go on. Because guess what? When you're at the top, you see it all. When you're at the top, you finished. When you're at the top, there's satisfaction. And we shouldn't stop. James tells us to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Listen to this. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. That is why we finish. This life is going to be tough when you follow Christ. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. Guess what? It will be tough. The Bible talks about we will endure some form of persecution. Yes, we will. Whether it be verbal, whether it be physical, I don't know. But is it worth it? Oh, yes, it is. It was worth it to Paul, it's worth it to me, and I hope it's worth it to you. And so when we finish, it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's the hope, because when it's all said and done, when we persevere, we get the prize. That prize is Christ. There's a little boy. He had cancer. He's about five years old. He was in the hospital. He was about to die. He was laying there on his deathbed. To his right was his mom and dad. His parents noticed that he was talking to somebody. Dad leaned over and said, Son, who, who are you talking to? He said, The white men. The men in all white. You, you, do you not see them? And he, he said, No. Leaned over again, the little boy leans over to his left. He starts talking again. He says, not yet. Not yet. He looks back over to his mom and dad. Looks him in the eye and says, mom and dad, I love you. I'm going with them in now. He looks back over to the, the, the angels. And he tells them, I'm ready. In that moment, he breathed his last breath and he went home to be with God. What's the significance about this? As a five-year-old little boy, he knew what it meant to focus his life on eternity. One, he gave his life to Christ. As a result of that, he shared the good news of Jesus Christ to his best friend who then accepted Christ to be his Savior. As a five-year-old little boy, he lay Knowing that he was going to die. But yet in death is where he found true life. Which we know is Christ. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Church, fill out a form. Jump on board. I beg you, run the race with Christ. Focus on the prize that is ahead of us, which is God and glory. But lastly, church, I tell you, we finish strong. We finish strong. Let's pray. God, we come before you today knowing that you are great, knowing that you are mighty, knowing that we are not. And so, God, we ask you today that you give us the endurance to finish this race called life, Lord. It is not easy, but I could not imagine doing it without you, God. Oh, never could I imagine doing it without you. And so, God, I thank you. I thank you that I don't have to run alone. I thank you that you are always there no matter what I do, no matter how many times I shun you, no matter how many times I try to run the other way. God, I know that you are there and you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. And so, God, I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you bring that hope in the lives of those here who may not understand that. If they don't get anything else, God, let them get how much you love them. And that your love is real. And that your love is true. And that it is everlasting. God, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.